Welcome to another episode of KUSI's Mark My Words, hosted by our very own Mark Mathis. It is time now for another edition of KUSI News' Mark My Words, the fastest growing podcast in America, taking America by storm. And today's guest, uh, we have seen here recently quite a bit, yeah. uh, Michael Schwartz. Uh, and uh, you are with the San Diego County Gun Owners Association. Yep, correct? San Diego County Gun Owners, correct. All right. Tell, tell us, first of all, what is that? What is the San Diego County Gun Owners Association? Association of people who own guns, I guess. So it's uh, San Diego County Gun Owners PAC. Uh, PAC actually stands for Political Action Committee. Okay. And San Diego County Gun Owners is a political organization that focuses just on Second Amendment issues and just locally in the county of San Diego. Okay. So there are a lot of really great Second Amendment uh, Second Amendment organizations that focus on federal and state, but there wasn't anybody looking after local, Main Street. Right. So we make sure that people who are running for city council, mayor, county board, sheriff, school board, these local boards and, and councils, we make sure that they're pro-Second Amendment. Right. So we vet candidates, we give them the resources to get elected, we're nonpartisan. We're single issue, so we don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Declinist, we don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't care where they stand on any other issue. It's just the Second Amendment, mm -hmm. and it's just local. Okay. So that's the idea. That's, that was the, the, the basic idea. But then right. along the way, um, a lot of things happened. We, we started engaging with media, and we became the voice of the Second Amendment community in San Diego. Basically just for San Diego. Just for San Diego. Now are you a member of the NRA as well? I or? personally am, but okay. the organization has nothing to do with the NRA. We're completely and totally separate. I, I, I want to have, in light of what happened in Uvalde, Texas, and in light of what has happened over the last several months and several years, I wanted to have kind of a detailed discussion with you about sure. gun ownership, gun responsibility, where the responsibility lies. And so we'll, we'll go into areas that I know that you have gone into before with probably every media member in the world. Uh, but first of all, let's, um, the Second Amendment states a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. There you go, 27 words. Right. Now, um, look at, and again, I'm, I'm, I pay attention to a lot of different shows, so I hear a, little, a lot of different comments. I'll give you what my feelings are here in just a minute. Sure. But if they, it, in my opinion, and you tell me if I'm wrong, the Second Amendment was created if government becomes too big, too powerful, too strong, infringes upon persons' liberties or persons' rights. The Second Amendment was established for people to defend themselves, their family, their home, their property. Am, am I correct in that? I, I think that's definitely one of the uh, purposes. The, the people that wrote the Second Amendment had just fought back against the biggest government in the world at the time. Right. And it happened to be their government. Right. Um, and then there was, it, it became less and less of their government. You know, they, they started taking away their, their ability to um, decide what commerce that they wanted to participate in and, and whether or not they even had a voice in their own laws. Mm -hmm. So 
was that where they were, they were kind of fighting back against their own government. They were kind of fighting back against a foreign government, depend on dependent on the perspective. Right. But the underlying foundation is absolutely self-defense, so right. that they could defend themselves. It has nothing to do with hunting. Right. It has nothing to do with even sport. Um, right. But was truly, you know, the idea was if you, if you look at the Constitution, uh, they talk about funding a navy. They don't talk about an army at all. There's right. no mention of an army. Right. Because the idea was they wanted to make sure that everybody who you know was a, 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 a newly minted American had the ability to you know meet in the town square with whatever arms were necessary in order to defend their neighborhood or their 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 state or, or whatever um, and and uh, work as a militia in order to do that right. um, a lot of people look at those 27 words and think well this is only pertaining to the militia, and that's, that's not accurate. Um, it was a, about 34 years ago when gun regulations really started to become a popular thing. Right. There became an idea that, hey, as long as we have a National Guard, that's the militia. These are kind of these unprofessional, or I should say non-career um, uh, warriors, soldiers, etc., sailors, who fulfill that militia. But that wasn't the idea. The idea was not to have a standing army, not to have a standing uh, military. In fact, one of the greatest accomplishments of the American uh, experiment is posse comitatus, which means that the military can never act as law enforcement, right. which is exactly what was going on with, with, with the, the British Army. They basically, in effect, became law enforcement, and they said, we don't ever want that to happen again. Right. So we're not going to have a standing army, but we want to make sure that people can have the arms, which is why they use the term arms, uh, to, have, uh, to uh, you know, establish a, a functional militia. And the, the term well-regulated is even uh, a little misunderstood these days. When you and I think of well-regulated, I've heard, I've heard very intelligent people say, hey, well-regulated, that means a lot of laws. That means, you know. But back then, the term well-regulated basically meant functional. Mm -hmm. So if you had a, uh, a militia that was not well-regulated, it meant that it was not functional. It didn't have the capability of performing as a militia. So when they say well-regulated militia, they mean a, a functional uh, militia, some, some, a militia that can act as, as a militia. So the idea was, hey guys, we're being attacked. You know, the British are coming, the British are coming. Okay, great, grab your, your firearm, grab your ammunition. You should already be trained on your own time. Meet in the town square and let's, let's defend our neighborhood. Okay, now the argument that I've heard recently now is okay, if, if the government becomes too powerful and begins to take over, let's just say they come into San Diego and say, hey listen, we're gonna, Come into San Diego, and then we're going to take over certain areas by force. Whatever firearm you have not going to do a whole lot of good against a tank. I mean, is, is that argument valid? Or is that well, I, I would argue that the reason that, first off, people would laugh at that notion. I right. think that people would say, come on, that's never going to happen in the United States. Right. And I agree, but what they leave out is the reason it's never going to happen in the United States is we have more personal firearms than we even have people. Right. And there have been military leaders that have acknowledged that in the past. There was a, a very famous, I can't, I'm not going to be able to get it perfect, but uh, there was a Japanese admiral who discouraged the Japanese from invading uh, mainland United States because he said something along the lines of there'd be a gun behind every blade of grass. Right. Um, I'd also point to some of, the, uh, some of the wars that we've been in. I mean, we just, you know, spent, what, 20 years in Afghanistan, which in effect, I mean, when, when they pulled into Afghanistan, you, you really, you truly had people that were still fighting with muskets. Um, you had people that were fighting with, uh, you know, really, really low-tech 
um, uh, arms. And it still took us 20 years to have a horrible withdrawal. Right. I mean, we didn't, if you go to, we, I wouldn't go to Afghanistan right now. You know, it's, it's a, it, we didn't, whether we won that war or not, or whether they defended their homeland or not, is certainly up for debate. Well, our whole, our whole war uh, philosophy and defense and everything changed after World War II. We changed the entire structure of our defense department, of how we fight wars. And uh, that's another subject for another day. Well, but, it, well, it is. But what I would definitely argue is the reason that we, ha that we are such a, a um, that the idea of being invaded or the idea of a tyrannical government taking over or the idea of a dictator taking over is so ridiculous is because we have such availability to, to firearms, that civilians own firearms. Right. There and and not, just, not just sport firearms, not just firearms that we use for hunting, but firearms that we would be able to functionally use in, in, uh, in some sort of malicious Well, state. you know what? You say the, the idea of a dictator. I mean, it, it, if we keep pushing, if they keep pushing back on these gun laws, the idea of a dictator and the America that you and I grew up in and know is, I don't think is terribly far. I mean, we're not terribly far away during COVID from having a dictator and, and as governor, you know? Uh, he was... Uh, giving laws and, and, and uh, orders that, because of an emergency order, that people could and could not do. I mean, we weren't terribly far away from that then. I thought it was terribly... Overreaching, um, maybe more so than I, I can, I can't really pinpoint another time in American history when it was this overreaching as far right. as you know power coming from the government, um, and still gun owners didn't didn't go crazy. Right, right. We right. we uh, uh, defended ourselves, defended neighborhoods that are certainly examples of that. Sure, um, and it wasn't you know huge groups of NRA members that went and burned down cities. Right. You know, um, so uh, it, it was definitely, I think it was a big warning sign. I think it was uh, worrisome, but I think it was also uh, proof positive of what we say, that which is, you, you look at many different kinds of studies and gun owners are uh, the pillars of society. Gun owners follow the law. Gun owners, uh, in fact, there, there are studies that show that, for example, CCW holders, concealed carry uh, permit holders, uh, as a group commit less crime than the general population, commit less crime than law enforcement officers even. Um, so I, I think it was, it was kind of proof positive that, hey, you know what, we really need to start listening to gun owners and stop picking on well, them. Well, and this whole thing about, you know, laws regarding guns, nobody is going to go commit an illegal act and buy a legal gun. I mean, he, you're going to buy a, a legal gun and go commit a, an illegal act, to me, is preposterous. Now, here, here's the crux of the issue sure. and, 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 and what I wanted to just get your opinion on. Sure. I grew up in Texas, mm -hmm. okay? Everybody I know had a gun. Every, my Half of my football team 
And I grew up in North Dallas in an upper middle class, upper class neighborhood in, in Dallas, Texas. Half the football team had gun racks in their Jeeps and trucks with loaded shotguns in the trucks. Nobody shot anybody. I never even heard of a school shooting. There, what was it, was it 300 years from the first time we had a school until the first school shooting uh, in the United States? So there, there is nobody in the world that is going to convince me that this is a gun problem, okay? It's a mental health problem. But at the same time, we now have mental health to deal with, and the people who are mentally disturbed or mentally ill have access to some guns that potentially they shouldn't have access to. Is that a fair argument? So let, let's, let's, let's take a step back and, and talk a little bit about, let, let's first talk a little bit about statistics. Okay. Um, somewhere around two-thirds, if you look at the, you know, how many people, um, if you look at deaths in America and how many, how, how many times a, a, a firearm was involved in, in a homicide, something like two-thirds of that are suicides. Um, so that clearly, I think, makes your point that there, that's a, clearly a, a, not a gun issue. That's a, a mental health issue. Sure. And you can even compare to uh, other countries that, in essence, have no guns, like Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, Japan has far more per capita suicides than the United States does, despite the fact that they don't have any guns. You know, Japan is basically about the size of California, um, and uh, per capita, way more uh, suicides. The other thing that isn't talked about, so then let's look at the other. So what's the other one-third or so? And I'm, I'm using broad numbers. Maybe sure. people can, you know, get down to a decimal point. I, I don't mean to, you know. But the uh, if you look at the other homicides, um, a number of them are justified homicides, so like a police officer defending himself or anyone defending themselves. Sure. Um, and and that's a kind of a small uh, number, um, and then a huge chunk of the rest are career criminals um, killing people in the commission of a crime. Of course, killing someone is the commission of a crime. That is a criminal act, but they're using it, you know, as a part of their career as a criminal, and a lot of times. They're killing another criminal. Now, I, homicide, or, homicide is always tragic. Murder is always horrible. Um, but when they pass off a gang member who decides to go out and commit violence against another gang member, who decides to go out and commit violence against him, and one or two of them lose that battle, when they compare that and say, hey, that's a mass shooting, just like what happened in this school, I don't think that's a moral equivalent. Right. I don't. I certainly don't think that the, the same solution is for both, um, and, and I definitely don't think it's it's intellectually honest of uh, the, the the anti-gun side to use those numbers to try to justify, you know, more gun control. You know, m my Second Amendment isn't what's wrong with, uh, you know, criminals. Um, now, the other thing that doesn't get talked, the other statistic doesn't get talked about a lot is there have been a couple of studies not done by the NRA or done by the Brady Organization, but studies that have been done by legit academia that have shown that between one and a half and two and a half million times per year, someone uses a firearm in America to defend themselves against a violent crime or potentially violent crime. Sure. Now, that doesn't mean they always pull the trigger. You know, they could just, you know, pull from concealment or you know, something like that, and then the, the criminal runs away. Um, heard many, many stories like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, that certainly doesn't get talked about nearly, nearly enough. 
Now, it, it's odd to me reading stories, you know, read, reading news stories or listening to politicians make statements, and they're perfectly comfortable with talking about uh, the mental health crisis in America right now, uh, and they'll apply it to, uh, you know, a new tax that they, they want to implement. You know, hey, we need a new tax to help the mental health crisis. Or if they want to regulate social media. Or if they want to talk about the homeless problem, you know, in L.A. and San Diego. They have this huge homeless problem. They talk about, you know, the mental health crisis contributing to it. Or they talk about the drug problems, you know, that, that are happening in America with, you know, fentanyl deaths at a huge, enormous, all-time high. They're perfectly com comfortable talking about the mental health crisis in those situations when it fits their agenda. But when it, when it doesn't fit their agenda, when they're trying to ban or, or, or severely restrict guns, and we say, hey, look, there's a mental health component here, they tell us, oh, you know what, you can't talk about that. You can't blame mental health for not all mental health people are, are, are murderers. Right, but there, are, but there there is a mental health issue. I mean, I just go back to my days uh, in Texas. My, my, my dad, you know, he has a gun rack as big as his room. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not, I, I grew up around guns. I, yeah. I mean, my, all of my friends grew up around guns. I mean, we had access to them, you know, and, and it's so, it's to me, it, it has so little to do with guns. It has, to me, the, the access of the mentally disturbed to have access with the guns. So my next question is, with the laws that they are trying to pass with gun regulation, gun registration, and all this other stuff, how does that hurt or impede people like you and me who own guns legally and how does that hurt us sure. in any way? Excellent question. Um, let's start federal and then let's talk local San Diego. So federally, f since it was being reported that the horrible, heinous murder, uh, murderers in uh, Texas in that school, it's, it's the second it was being reported, you already had politicians and other political organizations saying, hey, we need to ban more guns. And specifically, they were talking about a, an assault weapons ban. Um, and we, you know, we, we basically were waiting for the emotion to, to come down. People should be emotional over the idea of a, of a mass murder like that, especially when kids are involved. So we understood, hey, you know what, let the emotion take its course, um, but then we need to start talking about serious policy changes. Uh, and honestly, uh, over the, so over the weekend, the Senate put together a, a bipartisan proposal, more, more of a framework. They, they really don't have a lot of specifics. And there's some good and bad. And the good is that the emotion went away and they realized, hey, you know what, we can't ban guns. You know, we, and people say, hey, look, we've banned all kinds of, we've banned bazookas and grenades and you can't go out and buy a tank, you know. Right. Okay, yeah, we've, we've you know, we've under, we've, the, the gun lobby or whatever, Americans, whoever you want to, you know, uh, reference, have said, hey, yeah, you know what, you're right, that's reasonable. But now we're down to the point, we're not even talking about machine guns at this point, we're just talking about regular old firearms. Right. We're talking about, you know, which is what an AR really is. It doesn't function any differently. Um, than a, a pistol or, or any other have to pull, You still have to pull the trigger. You have I mean, to pull the trigger. There's not a, uh, yeah, there's not one pull and it shoots right. 
you know, 100, it's no different than a handgun. Right. So if they can ban it, then in essence, so there's only three ways you can ban a firearm. You can ban it by name, you can ban it by features, or you can ban it by function. Uh, they tried banning uh, names of guns in California back in the 90s, and all the manufacturers just went and made the same guns with different names. Except it makes sense. Um, then they started banning features, like, you know, hey, that particular stock uh, telescopes, meaning you can make the gun, you know, longer or shorter. Uh, if it has that feature, we, we're, it's banned. If it has a pistol grip, it's banned. Some of these features. So manufacturers started making the same firearms with, di with different features. Mm -hmm. Now they're down to function. And the reality is an AR functions just like your Glock, you know, just like your handgun, just like your Smith & Wesson, whatever. So if they start banning function, they are in essence banning firearms. Right. So they left that out of the proposal. And I believe they left that out of the proposal because it's politically unpopular and it's legally impossible. Mm -hmm. um, which I think is a, is, is a bit of a victory. Um, it, it's kind of a positive thing. The other positives in the federal propo proposal are things that gun organizations have been talking about, Second Amendment organizations have been talking about for years, for decades. And that is, hey, we need to focus on the mental health issues and fix that system. And what do we mean, and, and, and the other thing is school security. So let's, let's talk specifically about what do we mean by fix the system? What do we mean by school security? And by fixing the mental health system, um, you know, I can't get way down into the weeds on it, but what we're talking about is we need a way for people that are showing clear warning signs to get the help that they need. And the one thing that all these mass murderers have in common, whether they did it at a movie theater or whether they did it at a school or a shopping center, wherever they decided to commit their horrible, heinous crime, they didn't all use ARs. Uh, that's not what, you know, how they're not all the same anything. They, they come from different backgrounds. They have different situations. But they all showed very clear signs of mental health problems. They all showed symptoms, and they didn't get the help that they needed. Well, the, you're, you're right about every single one of those people uh, that have posted things and said things and there needs to be an awareness of that and a reporting of that and bringing that awareness through media I think could help as much as, as anything else. Um, so so, how do, so the, 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 the fixing of the mental health system, what we mean by that is there has to be a path in order for people that are showing symptoms to get the help they needed and, and there has to be a path for say families for example that uh, you know he this 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 guy that committed this horrible crime in Texas came from a fairly um, you know uh, I, I'm going to say a poor family didn't have a lot of money um, and they seemed to not be very engaged um, I think that they were having problems and they didn't know where to turn so there there needs to be an educated hey so you and I know what to do if if our friend is having a a, a problem with alcohol. We know what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's alcohol and uh, alcohol economic, uh, alcoholic anonymous, you know, AA, right? Mm -hmm. We know exactly what to do. Look it right up. On, you can Google it and boom, here, you know what? You need to get help. We're familiar with the term intervention, right? right. Hey, we'll have an intervention. We, we, you and I have, know exactly what to do, you know, to have an intervention. That, it needs to be that familiar when it, when it comes to mental health. What do we do when someone is showing signs, especially young men are showing signs of having, you know, mental health issues? 
we can't just let them fall through the cracks in high school and ignore well, them and pick on them. Well, and then I also want to talk a little bit about, we talked about the assault. It, okay, it, this, it drives me absolutely insane when I see these politicians get up and start talking about AR or automatic assault weapons and all this, and they don't, they're, they're holding up a gun that they know nothing about. Yeah. Um, and and I, the only reason I know a lot about this is because I grew up in a state where guns were accessible. Right. We, my father and grandfather, my grandfather had a huge farm west of Fort Worth. We, we had to hunt right. in order to keep some of the livestock alive. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking about hogs that will, you know, tear up your land and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I, I have a healthy respect for guns, mm -hmm. you know, I have a lot of guns. My dad has, you know, I think around 500 of them, but blaming, there has got to be, and I don't know if this is on the books or in the laws or whatever, immunity for the gun manufacturer to blaming the gun manufacturer for someone killing somebody is like blaming uh, a tequila company for somebody going out and driving drunk. I mean, it, they didn't have a damn thing to do with it. It's very much like that. Um, now, what happened was, so it was tried in the 90s um, to blame gun manufacturers and take them to court and say, hey, this is your product. Someone, a, a criminal used it criminally, so therefore you're responsible. And uh, it was pretty clear case law, and then there is actually a federal law saying, hey, you know what, you can't sue a gun manufacturer for that. But the reality is, you can't sue any manufacturer for that. Right. It was a gun case, but you can't sue any manufacturer. You can't sue Ford for drunk drivers. You can't sue, you know, Cuervo Gold for whatever drunk drivers. You know. Right. Um, so it's not just specific to to gun manufacturers. Now, a gun manufacturer is not immune if they let's say they make a faulty firearm that you know if if you're using it properly, it's still you know, miss, doesn't function and, and hurts the user or something like that. Sure. You can still, you know. Well, the same is true for Carter or anything else. Anything else. So they're, they're, they're using, they're reshaping this uh, based on a political agenda. Now, the county of San Diego just voted yesterday. Uh, what, they're, what they want to do is they want, infor they want their county council, which is the county's attorney, to monitor um, the sheriff's uh, uh, case. Anytime there's a gun's involved, you know, they arrest somebody with a, who had a gun, whatever. They want to uh, monitor those cases and then possibly file lawsuits or join as a plaintiff in a lawsuit against gun manufacturers, uh, to blaming them for, for, the, for the law. Now, this was uh, Nathan Fletcher and uh, uh, Lawson Reamer, uh, the two supervisors, but what people didn't see, and he, Nathan put out, Nathan Fletcher put out a press release, and he did a press conference, and he was on the news, and he talked about this thing, and everyone said, gee, that, that seems pretty extreme, that you're going to go after manufacturers. But then at the very end of the meeting, right before they voted, he actually included distributors and, and sellers. So he, they, they're not just talking about, he's not just talking about manufacturers. They actually added to that that they want to go after uh, gun shops mom-and-pop gun shops all over San Diego and try to put them out of business, too. Um, and distributors, whoever, you know, from between the... It passed. three to two. 
So that's a, that's a piece that he snuck in that not many people are, are talking about. Um, but he, it's not just manufacturers. He's so extreme he wants to go after gun shops and gun distributors as well. Now, I, now here's, this is not going to pass. This is not going to get through the courts. Uh, it's going to get shot down. But he is going to be able to say, hey, I did something, and it's the right thing to do. But then the courts struck it down, so it's not my fault. Right. This was purely a PR move. Um, it's definitely a, I, I think he hopes it'll work. I think he hopes to do some damage, uh, it, you know, before it completely gets struck down. Uh, it's definitely more and more popular. He's just kind of, you know, seeing which way the wind is blowing and, and trying to follow suit. But uh, it's Which ludicrous. is surprising to me. He has people following him around, protecting him, that are holding guns. He, he has an entire security detail. I believe he's the only board member on the County Board of Supervisors. In fact, I don't know of any other elected official that has a security detail. He has a security detail that costs hundreds of thousands a year uh, that are armed. These aren't just karate experts. These are people that are armed with, with the firearms, you know, that, uh, that he wants to get rid of. He's a, he's a, he's a, a complete and total hypocrite. It's, it's amazing just how hypocritical he is on oh, this he, subject. He's, I, dude, I've worked all over the country. I've worked from the East Coast to the West Coast. Yeah. And he is one of the most hypocritical, uh, he dishonest. Really one of the worst, isn't he? Uh, uh, he he's, he's absolutely one of the worst politicians, modern-day politicians I've ever seen. Um, now, here, here's the thing. He's, 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 absolute, he's, he's a liar. He's a fraud. He's yeah. a fake. He's a... Uh, it, it, oh, God. I, just, yeah. I cannot say enough bad things about this man. <laughs> now, let me make a point about that real quick, going back to San Diego County gun owners. The reason we started San Diego County gun owners is because of these types of agendas. You know, he's being politically rewarded for this kind of ludicrous behavior. Right. We wanted to start an organization where normal, everyday people, professionals, you know, uh, business owners, uh, whatever, truck drivers, you name it, um, where we could, you know, pool our resources and not have an agenda, but stand in the way of other people's agendas that are trying to, to hurt people. Well, see here, and here's what people need to understand. Nathan Fletcher doesn't give a damn about you. He doesn't give a damn about the people that he's serving. Right. The, being a politician, and, and this is somewhat true on both sides of the aisle. Now, I had a friend of mine, Trey Gowdy, who was a, uh, he was about six, seven years older than I was, six at Baylor, who uh, worked in Congress for sure. years and got out of there because he just couldn't take it anymore. Um, it just, he said, uh, you know, he felt like he could do more good at the local level. And even my boss, Steve Cohen, because I've asked him several times, how do you change certain things? Because we see big picture. Yeah. And he says, you have to start at the grassroots level. Yep. You have to start at the local level and then see things begin to change. But modern day politicians, especially the Nathan Fletchers of the world, don't give a damn about you or who they serve. It, it is a career and a job for them. Yep. And that's the reason he went to the Democratic Party, because yep. he saw that he could move up faster in the Democratic Party. Yep. And it's, uh, it's more money in his pocket. It's more money for his family. And as long as he's associated with the Democrats, then he can maneuver, maneuver, maneuver around and get more money into him and his family's pocket. Yeah, I, I, I have the pri I'm one of the few proud people that can honestly say I disliked him even when he was a Republican. <laughs> so I knew him back then. 
and I knew he was it was a complete uh, fraud back then. Uh, it, it it definitely was, and um, hang on one second, I'm sorry. Um, the Uvalde shootings and mm -hmm. the Las Vegas shootings and the yeah. Parkland shootings, they get a lot of attention, as they should, okay? And, you know, they had this big rally in Florida, and, and they, they, they bring on uh, Mark Rubio and ask him if he would right. you know, disassociate with the NRA, and they, they, they ask him these ridiculous questions, and they put him on the spot, and, and uh, because I think he understands the NRA and, and what good, <laughs> I mean, everybody, you know, NRA today is like saying that you're a Republican in San Diego. I mean, it's like, you know, you kind of want to keep that stuff to yourself sometimes. <laughs> um, but I don't see how anybody can, can look at Parkland and any of those things and blame gun ownership for that. So how do we change the dialogue? How do we change the discourse in America to get back to the real factor of this? I, I, I think we've done an amazing job at, at doing exactly that. And the way we did it is, uh, um, you, you know, we don't rally or protest or demonstrate. We get involved in the political system the way it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not going to see some big march you know, and, and us shouting people down, that's not what we do. Um, we uh, organize people and we give them a place to, to come and do effective Second Amendment activism, mm -hmm. which means, you know, activism is, you have to affect public policy, you know, otherwise you're just, it's just shouting and whining, you know, right. that's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we... Uh, find candidates and give them the resources to run and we help change the culture now we talk about it and, and there's two other things we, we do really really well we talk about it in a way that people can relate to it um, you know there's there there's actually there's a, a interesting guy named Jonathan uh, hate h-a-i-d-t and he did a study um, you know basically he wanted to know why do people have the political decisions what you know the opinions the political opinions that they have and he found out that the left of center base their political decisions on a couple of different foundations right of center base it on a few more uh, um, uh, political uh, foundations but he found out that the two things uh, the two the two foundations that they have in common are caring and fairness mm -hmm. so they base their you know is this do I care about you know people like you know, should I, should I have this opinion? Does it help people? Because I care about people. So if it's helping people, it, it matters to me. That's caring. Fairness is, hey, you know, is this good for everybody? Is this, you know, it, it's the definition of fair. Is this fair? Is this not fair? So when, when you hear us talk, when we uh, uh, talk to the media, when we release a statement, when we talk about something, we try to appeal to everyone. We, you know, we care about single moms who need to defend themselves. That's why we want concealed carry permits for everyone who wants one or chooses, you know. It's not fair that only police officers or government agents get to own firearms to protect themselves. And that's something that I think a broad group of people can relate to. We don't, you're not going to really hear us talk about, well, you know, we should be able to own guns because it's in the Constitution. Well, there's a 
huge group of people in San Diego that don't care about the Constitution. <laughs> right. Well, if it's in the Constitution, then let's just change it. So why would we try to appeal to them on that foundation if they don't care about it? So we, we care about people. We want things to be fair, and that's what we base all of our decisions on, and that's how we make the case. The other thing is we're not a hunting group. Um, there's not a lot of bravado in our group. We're not, right. you know, we don't beat our chests. If you come to a meeting or you come to an event, you're not going to see Duck Dynasty. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You right. might see one or two, but it's not an entire group of, you know, people that, you know, hey, from my cold, dead hands or whatever. That's not us. Right. You're going to see people from uh, all different walks of life who care about self-defense. Right. And we're really, truly focused on self-defense. And I, I think, honestly, that's about all they... I mean, from what I've seen, you know, my my dad will still hunt at times, um, but he won't have a problem at all defending himself, nor would I. Uh, but it is not, it's kind of like, I would say 99.9% .9 of the gun owners in the United States are kind of like, MMA fighters walking into the bar, you know, you act pretty calm when you know you're the baddest dude in the room, and and I'm not, I, maybe that comes out the wrong way. No, but it, if you it, if you know that you're you can defend yourself, yeah, then you don't get all hysterical about shit. I, I'll tell you. So we really couldn't get carry permits until San Diego County gun owners helped uh, convince the sheriff to change his policy, and we. It was I, almost impossible. I, it was almost impossible. And, and I say that very politely. I mean, we really politically put a lot of pressure on him to change his policy. And he changed his policy. And then we worked with him. It's said, great. Now, how do, we, how do we do this? We'll teach people. So I finally got a, a carry permit. Um, and you have to renew it every two years. Mm -hmm. And I, I waited a little too long. COVID was happening. They were a little backed up. Waited a little too long. And I was uh, expired for, I don't know, three, four weeks. And it's interesting when you go from carrying every day for two years and then suddenly you can't. And you really truly realize how vulnerable you are. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people don't realize how vulnerable they are until they aren't and then they are again. <laughs> right. I, right. I can't imagine. I mean, there are so many situations. When I look at the headlines and they say, hey, so-and-so was attacked or such-and-such -such was you know, was, was attacked or killed or beaten up or whatever. And my first thought is, why didn't they have a, the, you know, a self-defense tool on them? Right. And people don't really truly realize that, but that's really the crux of, and we've had a, a bunch of stories of yeah. people who got their CCW and have gone on to defend themselves. One guy, uh, one of our members uh, got a CCW and he was, uh, just a few months later, he was down in Chula Vista, he, was, he, he had a brand new baby at home and he was trying to raise more, raise some money. He's trying to make a little extra money. He was selling water after an event, like bottles of water after an event on, on the street. And a guy approached him, saw he was he was taking in cash, and a guy approached him and drew a knife. And he was he he drew his firearm, and he didn't have to use it. The guy saw he had a firearm, dropped the knife, and ran. Hmm. And a Chula Vista police officer uh, apparently witnessed at least most of it. You know, went and said, "Okay, you got a permit. You're good to go." But you know, this guy would have would have been stabbed otherwise. Right. So we've heard a lot of those stories. We have an extremely successful women's program. We've had something like 600 women 
go through our uh, It's uh, Not Me uh, San Diego program, where if you're a woman and you want to own a gun, you want training with a gun, you want a carry permit, we will pair you with a, a trained woman and she will help you uh, through the whole process. And if any part of it is financially prohibitive, we'll find discounts or grants to make sure that they get the training, get the firearm, get the, get the carry permit. Over 600 women in just, I think, about three years have gone through that successfully. Um, so it, it definitely resonates with people, and I, I believe all this is changing because what you're describing is the culture. I believe that we're having an impact and we're changing the culture where it's not unusual, or it's at least a lot, a lot less exotic to own a firearm, to carry a firearm for protection, um, and it's working. So let me ask you this, and this will... Um, uh, Joe Biden talked about, and I think we've covered this, but Joe Biden said this is not about taking people's guns when it is about taking people's guns. Uh, but uh, there were reports that over in Australia and over in, um, I think it was Switzerland, 30 years ago they had mass shootings and they had some gun laws and they haven't had any mass shootings since then. Is that true? So it's interesting. I just saw an interview with John Cougar Mellencamp, uh -huh. the, the musician. Yeah. And he was in his interview said, hey, you know what? The first thing, uh, it, it, yes, Port Arthur in, in, in Australia back in the 90s, I think it was 96, had a, uh, a, a mass murder. The guy used a gun. He was crazy, by the way. Sure. He well, was, most, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was showing all kinds of warning signs and he didn't get the mental health uh, help that he needed. Right. Um, and they, in essence, heavily restricted firearms. In essence, it's pretty much banned it. In, in Australia, very, very difficult to own a firearm, uh, if you can at all. Right. Uh, almost impossible to own uh, a, a rifle. But he said, hey, they haven't had any mass murders since. And he, he, he slipped up. Because what you just said is they haven't had any mass shootings. So they, I, I don't know if they've had any mass shootings. I think they have actually had at, at least one mass shooting since. But they've had a number of mass murders. They've had at least 30 mass murders. And that's you can, it's verifiable. Um, mass murders via how? Uh, could be any kind of weapon. Could be a vehicle. Could be, uh, you know, a sharp object. Right. Um, could be a, you know, but, but there's a, a, at least 30 uh, since then which really isn't that much, it, it, it wasn't that big of an impact. And part of the, they, they've changed the lexicon. People that are trying to truly ban firearms and want very, very restrictive uh, firearms laws have changed the lexicon. They've said, hey, we're, we're against gun violence. Well, you know, one of the only, I mean, if you're against gun violence, you know, uh, it brings up a bunch of questions. You know, what about other kinds of violence, you know? I mean, one of the only ways to, one of the few ways, I should say, to get rid of gun violence is to get rid of the tool, right? But you still have, you're still left with violence, right? you know? Is, what about gun violence, what about the one and a half to two and a half million times per year someone uses gun violence to defend themselves? Right. Is, is that, are you against that? Right. You know? Um, so that's why I'm, I'm more worried about murder or homicide. I'm more worried about mass murder than I am, you know, gun violence. Right. Um, I think that... Uh, I don't think anybody's for gun violence. Nobody's for gun violence. But what I'm, uh, what I'm not for is terming it gun violence. Right. I want to know why is this person choosing to do any kind of violence. Right. Now, I would be dishonest if I said that um, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, 
th there's access to firearms uh, has probably made some mass murder uh, more severe, right? You, could, you know, I would be right, dishonest sure, to, you know, sure. to not admit that. But the, the, the issue there is the reason it's more severe is actually the very reason it's such a good self-defense tool. And that part gets left off way too much, way mm -hmm. too much. You know, <laughs> we've really only had, what is five, six, whatever, 10,000 years of human history, something like that, 5,000 years of written human history. And it's really only been in the last couple hundred years that you've effectively been able to defend, an individual has been effectively able to, to defend themselves with a firearm. You know, before that, it was all cannon and whatever, and you had a sword, maybe you were good at swords, maybe you weren't good at swords. But if you, a portable firearm really truly made it possible for an individual to defend themselves effectively. And in that time, we've had an entire country built on the premise of individual rights and defending individual rights. Right. In that time, we've seen enormous strides for uh, women having, uh, you know, more and more uh, respected rights. My mother's one of them. Minorities having, uh, you know, their rights respected. The LGBT community having their rights. That's not a coincidence. Right. It's not a coincidence. So I, I am, I am right there with you, brother. So if we, if we, we have to acknowledge, we have to understand why we live in this country that we live in. It's not because people just decided to be good one day. It's because people, uh, bad people, could no longer. For most of human history, if you were the biggest, baddest, toughest guy in the village then you could do anything you wanted. You could have anyone you wanted. Right. But now you have a 90-pound, five-foot-tall woman who's never had any, any training. She has just as much chance of defending herself as anybody else. And that is an extremely important part of human history. I want you to listen to this because I think, I think it's, it's, it pertains to, the, uh, and, um, and, and it's somewhat funny. But. All over the country, and I know there's more good people out there than bad. I know there is, because I've been all over the place. Just we think everything's out of control because we don't want to take responsibility no more. Like this classroom violence. Do you figure this out? This is going to make you feel good, because I don't think there's no problem to that at all. The first schoolhouse was built in 1621, a year after the Pilgrims landed. Now, let's think about this. For the next 370 years, think about that. 370 consecutive years, there was no such thing as a small child taking a weapon into the classroom. It's a brand new thing in society. You know why? If I was 12 years old, or you, or you, if I was 12 years old and had a handgun, you know what my daddy would have done with it? That's the guy I'm gonna give credit to, James Gregory. He's a friend of mine. He's a comedian, and uh, but he's but he's true. A lot of it is a parental problem. A lot of it is a mental health problem, and. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming in today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you uh, giving this uh, entire discussion yeah, the spotlight. Thank you. If there's, if there's ever a time, and, I, and I, you know, you've been on the media so much lately because of what has happened, what could potentially happen in election years and everything else. I, I, Any time that you want to come back and talk about something or talk about an issue or talk about a, a 
somebody running and pros, cons, whatever. I don't care. You're invited back to this show anytime you'd like to come because Thank I you. really appreciate what you do for San Diego and, and bringing insight to what responsible gun ownership is really all about. And, and I really appreciate what you do. That means a lot. Thank you. I, all right. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you.